terrify me. Nothing shows up the chasm between who you are and who everyone else would like you to be more than what they saw and thought of you. And what anyone thought of me never quite matched what I thought of myself. By far the most dread-inducing present was the flourish of a gift from my mother, delivered in recycled paper, carefully smoothed out and reused. Nothing screamed, this is the person I wish you were, more than the parade of diaries, draw dividers and polo-necked sweaters delivered to me over the decades. But this year, on my 43rd birthday, she'd surpassed herself. She sat with her hands folded in her lap, expectations scaffolding her face. She nodded at the box on the table. Go on then, open it. I picked at the sellotape, taking care not to tear the paper. A gold cross necklace. I only wore silver, and I never wore crosses. Never. Of all the ways I'd tried to make amends over the last thirty years, giving in to my mother's rampant Catholicism had remained a glittering exception. No conversation was complete without a variation on God knows what's in your heart, which was really my mother's shorthand for God will get you back. A great bubble of resentment surged up, an image of flinging the necklace into the patch of nettles at the bottom of the garden rushed through my mind. That's lovely, thank you. Put it on, darling, come here, I'll do it up for you. I sat down with my back towards her, a straight back in order not to cop the you're becoming so round-shouldered speech. As she clicked the necklace around my neck with a satisfied, perfect, I resisted the urge to leap up, throw open my kitchen cupboards and fling out the Wedgwood tea service she'd brought me for best to sweep my Christmas present of fussy cut-glass tumblers to the floor, to hurl around the collection of jugs she'd infiltrated into my home over the years, in the hope that my children would stop their uncouth dumping of plastic milk cartons on the table. Go and look in the mirror. I walked out to the downstairs cloakroom and peered at myself in the mirror, amazed that my face looked smooth and neutral, rather than like a ball of dough in the proving stage. I touched the cross not quite as hideous as the Pope Francis thimble, Pope John Paul II commemorative plate, or the absolute pièce de résistance, the China Popemobile, complete with waving pontiff. I could have made a fortune if I'd allowed the kids to put it all on eBay, but I kept it as an insurance against the day when she'd ask, Now, what happened to... I knew Mark would tease me and say, Why didn't she have done with it and buy you a hair shirt? All our married life. He'd kept out of the tangled dynamics that passed for a relationship between my mother and me. He'd reluctantly agreed to have Jamie and Izzy baptised, but put his foot down about a full-blown Catholic upbringing. I'm not having the kids indoctrinated with guilt, blame and shame in the name of religion. It was the one time I'd been forced to stand up to my mother, when she got her needle stuck, on when they were going to be confirmed. I'd fudged it by saying we'd let them decide when they were old enough. Now they were teenagers and refusing even to go to church, my mother was on a mission. But so far, neither of them appeared the slightest bit worried about going to hell. I walked back in, concentrating on a light, sunny step. So, what are you doing for the rest of the day? My mother asked, in a tone that suggested she'd been the highlight. I've just been elected chairwoman of the fundraising committee at school. They want a new rugby clubhouse, so I need to go to a meeting about that. Even I could see that as birthdays went, it was rather short on celebration. I was prepared for a little dig of, hasn't Mark planned anything special for you? But instead, my mother burst out with an animated, 
Really, darling, you should have said earlier. You have done well. My mother wasn't given to over-the-top praise. Any praise, in fact. But she was teetering right on the edge of a squeak of approval at my news, which was proof, indeed, that my bar for success was not so much low as buried. Hallelujah for climbing up another rung on the redeeming scale. I usually managed to haul myself up a notch about every five years. There was nothing she liked more than a crumb of evidence that Lydia Rushford, miscreant offspring of Arthur and Dorothy Southport, was no longer the social pariah of yesteryear. She grabbed my hand and squeezed it. The softness of her skin surprised me. I waited. My mother selected a tone several decibels below the one she'd used to congratulate me. It's wonderful how you've moved on from all that, you know. I stared at her. In our family, no one moved on. The passage of time had covered the worst wounds with a scattering of normality.